Hello, beautiful soul, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your hostie, and I am so, so glad that you're here. Today, I have an incredible 24-year-old semi-retired e-commerce entrepreneur from Brisbane on the show. Her name is Emily, and she is also known as the e-commerce dropout on Instagram. Now, at 19, 19 guys, she launched her very first e-commerce brand, Lucent Bottle, which was one of the first brands to sell crystal water bottles in Australia. Australia. Then she launched her second brand, PowerPad, six months later selling Marvel wireless charging pads and mobile accessories. Both of these stores had great success. However, she also experienced her fair share of failed business attempts along the way. And you know that I am such a huge fan of hearing both sides of the story and of the journey. So we're going to speak into that today. And I thought it would be so great to have someone from the products-based business side of things to speak on the show for any women out there who are thinking about creating an e-commerce store of their own. Now, while running these businesses, she noticed such a lack of genuine resources and education around the topic of e-commerce. And she felt like it was a very male dominated space with a stigma around launching a business online and what that looked like. As she says, insert the douchey Ferrari hiring guy trying to scam people into purchasing a dodgy course promising them how to make millions online, drop shipping, or opening up their own Amazon store. She felt an incredible pull to stop what she was doing with her own businesses and transition to teaching women how to launch and scale an e-commerce business the right way. So she did just that. She sold her e-commerce businesses and went all in on creating the e-commerce dropout brand, which part of that includes an incredible signature course. And I'm really excited for her to share her knowledge with you on the show. I know you're excited too, so let's tune in. Welcome to the Her Soulful Success Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Ricciotti, but you, my friend, can call me Dee because I know that we're about to become business besties. I'm a certified NLP business coach teaching women both strategy and mindset for a successful first year in business while juggling motherhood, marriage, and everything in between. Consider this space your weekly dose of mindset, spirituality, energy boost, and self-development because I know these are all ingredients that make for a soulfully successful you. podcast. I am so glad that you're here. I'm such a fan of everything that you do. And we were just chatting before and I said, we've never had someone that's in the e-commerce world and has started and successfully like scaled their own product-based business before. So I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on. I was just telling Dee earlier that this is my first time being a guest on a podcast. So I'm so honored that it's yours and I'm very excited. And I'm so honored that mine is the first podcast you're on too. I've been listening to your podcast recently. I don't even know how we came across, how I came across you. It's funny how Instagram does that. You're like, wow, all of a sudden I'm following this person. But I've really been vibing with Emily's podcast as well. She's got some really phenomenal tips on how to grow an e-commerce business. So we'll make sure the links for that are all in the 
um, in the show notes as well. But Emily, before I ramble on, in your own words, can you share a little bit about your story, perhaps share a little bit about your business that you started and scaled and how that all came to be? Yeah, of course. So I am 24. I live in Brisbane, just as a little backstory. So uh, since probably the age of 15, I started my first online blog as a fashion blogger. I was very like Hannah Montana with it, would just die if anyone knew at school. Um, But that kind of led me to trialing so many different things online from affiliate marketing to blogging till I eventually found e-commerce. And I was so interested in it. I started my first e-commerce store, I think when I was like 18, still in school, drop shipping. I think it was like dog supplies. It was so basic, um, but I was really passionate about it. And from there, um, once I finished school, I went to uni and I was doing business, but it just wasn't fulfilling. I had this idea that doing a business degree that would teach you all the things about how to run a business and things like that. But that really wasn't the case. It was kind of more you learned how to be a good employee and learn a lot of theory. But on the side, I started really getting teaching myself about e-commerce, which led me to start my first, what I consider to be my first real e-commerce business. And I started selling crystal water bottles. And I was the first um, big store in Australia to start selling them online. And yeah, I I grew that brand while I was at university. I graduated, did all that. Um, But that was a real labor of love for me and just taking on whatever knowledge I could to build that brand. But while I was doing so, I really noticed that there was such a lack of e-commerce education out there. And whenever I was searching for things or searching for courses to grow my knowledge, it was all coming from these men that were, you know, dri- you know driving Ferraris and making yeah. a million dollars a day drop shipping. And I was like, I just don't align with that. Like, where are the people teaching others how to build a sustainable e-commerce brand without all like that whole stigma around it? And that is what led me to the e-commerce dropout. So I've kind of skipped two steps ahead there with my brand Lucent Bottle. I grew that. That was kind of my baby. But I ended up selling that business. I started a few other e-commerce businesses in that time, um, a dropshipping business that went really well, selling gardening supplies, actually. Um, I unsold that when it got to quite a good, healthy activity level. And I also had these marble charging pads that were really beautiful. I bought those out when um, wireless charging first became a thing. And I just realized that there was this formula that you could implement, build up a brand and then on sell it. So I have since sold all my e-commerce brands, but that was just because I really wanted to focus on now providing this education around e-commerce that isn't douchey. I'm sorry if that's wrong to say, (laughs) but it's really authentic and helps people build sustainable brands. So that's, that's me. Oh, I love that. Isn't the douchey way common in any industry, right? Like I'm a coach, there is a douchey way of business coaching. Um, So I can imagine, like, I think what I, what comes to mind in your field um, is like those ads for like make a gazillion dollars with Amazon and and things like that. Am I right? Is that Yeah, 100%. And people you know, people want to start a brand and they see that and they think, oh, that sounds so enticing, but yeah, it, it's just not good. And there's more to it than that, isn't it? 100%, yes. Uh, well, if someone has 
we get straight into the juicy questions. If someone has an idea for a product-based business, I feel like, you know, if they have a concept or, a, yeah, like a product they want to launch through an e-commerce channel, I feel like the biggest block is where the freak do we get started? So especially I think for maybe people that don't have the money outright to invest, um, don't know where to even start. Cause it's something physical, right? Like in the service-based business world, it's digital products. We can, you know, pop that all in Kajabi or a course portal, or even do it like real um, scrappy in a Facebook group. Like we can deliver content. That's easy. Product-based business is something else. Like you're bringing something to life. It's manifesting, it's birthing a physical thing. Where do you get started if you have a concept or an idea? And this might be a very loaded question, but yeah, in your opinion, where where do you start? Yeah, no, that is a great question. And it is definitely the biggest hurdle that people come across. It is that coming cutting past that first step of product sourcing. So it really does depend what type of product that you are wanting to sell. So if it is something that you are just wanting to white label, you are wanting to get produced overseas, um, Alibaba is, of course, your go-to. I actually just recorded an episode on my podcast a few hours ago talking about how People new to e-commerce often have this stigma that Alibaba is, you know, it can you, you'll get scammed because it's overseas manufacturers, but that really isn't the case. Every product that I've ever sourced has been from Alibaba. Um, and you just have to start communicating with suppliers. It is a long process, getting samples, finding a supplier that aligns with you. And for example, if you want to if you want to source products ethically and sustainably, you can also find suppliers to do that on Alibaba. And a lot of people don't actually realize that, but there are filters that you can search through if that's what you want to do. Um, so yeah, Alibaba is definitely your first point of contact. It is trial and error. Just start communicating with suppliers, seeing what they can do, um, ask them for quotes, for samples, and then they will send them to you. Um, just a little tip there. A lot of suppliers will offer you free samples, but you have to pay for shipping. So always ask for a free sample or if you have to pay, they will often reimburse you if you do then a larger order down the track. Um, so that's one way. Another way, it's really simple and, you know, we often overlook it, is simply Googling it. If this is quite common for people, if you want to have a locally manufactured product. So say I want bikinis um, manufactured in Australia, I would just search Bikini Manufacturers Australia or Skincare Manufacturers Australia. And it seems really simple, but that is honestly where some of my students have found the best suppliers. Um, you'll obviously find that local manufacturers are a lot more expensive, um, but it just depends where your brand kind of wants to go with that. And another thing that I will mention, and it's a strategy that I teach my students, if you are someone that is wanting to sell a product, but you don't have a lot of money to import a big order straight away, um, I would actually recommend if it aligns with your product that you're wanting to sell is you can test the market by drop shipping it. So what you would do there is you could build a store, you could import the products that you want to drop ship and then start, you can you know build a brand around that, start running ads. And if it does take off, then you can purchase a big order from a manufacturer from there. So it kind of allows you to test the market without overly committing to purchasing a large order of stock. So that's kind of a strategy that you can use as well. 
Emily, tell the audience a little bit. I love that, by the way. Sorry. What pops into my head is for people new to this world of e-commerce who don't know what drop shipping is. What can you explain a little bit about what drop shipping is versus, um, for example, working with a manufacturer creating a bulk amount of product? Yeah, sure. So basically drop shipping, you with drop shipping, you act as the middleman. So you create a storefront, say you design your website and you import these products from a supplier and put them on your store. So it looks like you're selling them. And then once you make a sale, you don't actually have any physical stock. You send that order to the drop shipper and then they will send the item to your customer. So you're kind of this middleman, you never touch the stock. And then you will pay the drop, your drop shipping supplier the cost of the goods. And then whatever markup you've placed on top, you will keep. So you're not going to be making as much money as you would if um, you were holding the stock yourself but you're not doing any of the physical work, shipping it or anything like that. You're just acting as the middleman. So you're doing all the marketing basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely without that groundwork of shipping it and things like that, which is a good way to get started if you if you aren't sure of, you know, using Australia Post and shipping and all of that kind of thing because it can be quite confusing. Dropshipping is a good way to kind of test, test the waters in e-commerce. Yeah, and it's a good way to validate your product, like you said before, because a lot of like where I see the biggest mistakes that are made in e-commerce is purchasing a whole bunch of product and then just getting at your house. Mm-hmm. And maybe not having had one of the things that I've learned, um, and I don't know, you can confirm or tell me your thoughts on this, is it's actually quite important or a really great marketing strategy to create and build the audience and the need for the product before the product is even launched rather than the biggest like mistake that I've when I've worked with product-based brands is they've already got the product they've put like they've invested all the money they've got it sitting in their house but they haven't got a community and they haven't got the following or the the yeah, like the, the need or the validation for that product to, to be sold in the market yet. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, no, you are 100% correct. You are making it so much harder for yourself if you don't go down the route of building an audience first, checking that there's even the demand for your product because, you know, we all have ideas and we think we think they're great, but that doesn't matter. We need to check that there's a valid audience there. So, yeah, no, you are 100% correct. Yeah, so maybe let's even speak into that. So how? what are some ways that you can build your audience without the product? I've got a concept for a product idea, but how do I go about building an audience for a product that doesn't exist yet? What might that look like? Oh, I love this question. Um, some of you may know Greta Van Reel. She's a very big um, e-commerce influencer within Australia. She I've does- done her course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she she talks about this a lot. Um, One really practical strategy that you can use is start building up an Instagram account related to your products. So, for example, if you were selling eyebrow products, let's say, you could start building up a really beautiful Instagram feed all around things related to that. So you're not putting your actual product out there yet, but you're building a following of people that are interested in that topic or that niche. Mm-hmm. And so if you're building that following up and then you can survey them, for example, you know, Instagram is so good for engagement. Now you could put out polls to see what they would like. And you're, you have that direct communication with your target 
audience. And then once you have that warm audience and have gained their opinions, you can bring a product to market and you already have a following. So start if you, so for example, if you wanted to implement this, what you would do, build an Instagram account, start posting consistently, posting valuable content, and then you already have this audience ready to go when you want to launch. Love it. Love that tip. Okay. So what I'm going to pose this in like in a final way. What in your opinion is the difference between or some like key differences that you can see between uh, maybe brands that launch products that do really well versus brands that launch products that don't, that flop or the business fails? What are some of like maybe the common mistakes or the things that you should be doing or avoiding that you kind of can speak into? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so one thing that I always talk about is features tell, stories sell. So we could all sell the same product, but it is that brand and that story behind the product that is selling it. So if we think of any of the businesses that we all buy from or stores that you shop online with, you probably don't buy from them because they're the only person selling that product or you buy from them because you really connect with their brand and you like their story. So I would place more emphasis on building a, your brand story and building a really good relationship with your target audience rather than just saying, Oh, I have this amazing product. Everyone buy it because you know, where the e-commerce market is quite saturated now. So you know, there's, there's slim chances of you having the first product on the market, but you have to make a brand that people can really connect with. And people are so, place so much importance on connection these days. So that's why we're seeing things like TikTok and Reels and things take off because it is adding that humanization to the brand, seeing the behind the scenes and everything like that, that is really making people connect. So my number one tip there would be to focus less on selling your product and rather sell your brand and your story. Mm-hmm. Can you give a, an example of a business or a product-based business that does this really well and like highlight their story maybe to illustrate that really well? Oh, okay. Um, the first thing that comes to mind for me actually isn't necessarily really big brands. It's the brands that I'm seeing pop up on Instagram and TikTok and things now that have been maybe like COVID babies that they are just growing at such an exponential rate because they are just the average people like you and I that have started a business and they are sharing all of the behind the scenes and that human connection is making their brands just blow up. Um, One that I think of is Slick Stick, their hair slicky tool things that's by Mia Plessick she's amazing and I a podcast with her the other day I love her story she I is so incredible I love women that are so resilient like that and I heard a story about like starting and scale I'm gonna try to get on my show maybe as well um starting and scaling like six different businesses uh before she got to slick stick but like the 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 resilience of the woman that like has a business yeah, I think the first two times she got kicked out of her own business, like there was another investor or silent or I don't know, yeah. investor that like out for her, but for her to keep getting up and like not giving up and now she's got slick stick, which is so incredible. Yeah, continue. Yeah. Love that. I love that. And another thing on that is that, you know, this is probably going off on a little bit of another tangent, mm-hmm. but Mia as a business owner, she's very transparent with her journey of how she got there. Mm-hmm. and 
that makes people really connect with her brand as well. So you as the business owner also have a really good chance to, you know, you can build your brand by sharing your own story. You know, a lot of people are scared of being the face of their brand. You know, they don't want to get put themselves in the spotlight, but that's what people connect to. Share your story, share that you're a mum with kids and you're building a brand. That That is so powerful these days. Yeah, I feel like you can no longer actually get away with having a business without having a personal brand. That's why like, I'm really pivoting now to helping women with that confidence, building that confidence and certainty within themselves to show up and build their personal, personal brand. Because I feel like without it, whether it's product-based or a service-based digital business, you really can't get away with not being able to show up on video, show up online, build those connections and be the human behind the brand. I feel like maybe a decade ago you could get away with it and now people are really looking for that face. Like who is behind this business? Yeah, that's so true. And I think, you know, it's our human nature to be like, oh, no one really wants to know my story. You know, it's just little old me, but people do. You are interesting. And, you know, I just, I connect with brands so much more that do have that personal brand. And yeah, I think you're 100% right. It just doesn't fly these days not having a personal brand. Yeah. Well, speaking about personal brands, another way to utilize personal brands is through influencer marketing. Mm -hmm. And I know this is something you are a total and complete expert in. You have to go and check out in more detail some of Emily's podcasts on influencer marketing 101. But I guess what would be my questions around this? Why is why is influencer marketing important for a product-based business and do you think this trend is going away anytime soon or do you think that it is still on the rise yeah okay so I think it is here to stay definitely I think it will always continue to pivot and change but it's definitely here to stay and the reason it is so important and I would recommend any e-commerce business getting on board with it is because it creates that social proof that customers look for so the thing with e-commerce is we can't touch or see or feel these products. So we rely on a whole heap of other factors to make that purchase decision. And one of the biggest ones is social proof. We are always looking for proof that other people like the product, that the business is reputable. And influencer marketing and probably photo reviews are the number one ways that we can create that. So, it, you know, traditional thinking is probably like, oh, it's just a pretty girl posing with, you know, a product, but it, it's not, it's a lot more than that. It's that someone that we trust is endorsing this product. And that is such a big factor when choosing an influencer is choosing people that are trustable, that their audience live for everything that they say. So, you know, we can't, you don't want to be going and choosing people that are just will promote any brand and they don't have any authenticity, you really want to choose people that their audience love them and really trust what they're saying. Mm, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the different types of influencers and then what do you recommend that a new e-commerce brand, and I guess I mean, this might differ for every different kind of product, I guess, where would you recommend to place your focus and money in? in terms of the breakdown so like I know there's micro nano influencers what are the kind of different categories and what is your kind of favorite category to work with 
Yeah, sure. So there are micro influences, which is probably under 10K. And then you get to macro influences, which is around that 50 to 100K mark. And then we have the mega influences, which are obviously the million mark. So it kind of filters down through there in levels. But when you're starting out, I am so obsessed with using micro influences. And I can guarantee that you will often find their audience are the most engage and most trustworthy because they have this belief in these people that they're not sellouts. They they don't have that big following that they're just flaunting off products. They have this close connection with their followers where they really trust them. So if you are a brand and you're wanting to get started in influencer marketing, um, depending on the size of your company, of course, I would start with those influencers around the five to 10K mark. Um, obviously just checking their engagement levels. Um, we Some people could see likes now, some people can't, but just making sure that they're getting genuine comments on their photos, that they're getting likes that are in alignment with how many followers they have overall that's kind of the way you can check their engagement um but yeah I would start there start but don't just go in with the kill when you're messaging them so if you find an influencer like oh I think I'd like to work with them don't just hi I want to work with you can I send you products you want to start building that relationship with that influencer follow them for a few weeks, like their content, reply to their stories for your sake as well to check that their messaging aligns with your product and your brand. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I would definitely recommend starting with micro influencers and then growing from there as your brand expands. Yeah. Something that I love to do for like uh, podcast collaborations, for example, which might be similar in the influencer world is if I'm reaching out to someone who feels like quite like a big brand or a well-established brand personal brand I will make sure that in the email I am speaking into something really personalized that I love about them a specific reel that they've done um, maybe they you know spoke about a topic recently on a master class or in their stories I will address that um, so that it is not a Hi, Emily. <laughs> I love what you do because I just feel like that's really transparent and it really will feel like a copy and paste strategy for the person receiving that email. We're inundated with emails all of the time. You want to read that first line and go, wow, this person actually really knows me. Like they really get who I am. They really get what I'm about. Would you agree that that strategy is important to sort of implement when you're thinking about influencer marketing as well? Yes, definitely. Everything Dee just said, please, please implement that. You have to cut through the noise. And remember that they're people too. They're not just a pretty face selling products. They are people. So any connection point you can make there, like, you know, if they're a, um, a mommy blogger, can you relate that, oh, we, I have kids as well? Or, you know, I find a lot of people that I work with, I'm quite young. So if I find someone else, I say, oh, like, it's nice to see that we're the same age doing similar kind of things. You know, just find those connection points because they're people as well. And that's what's going to cut through the noise and make them want to work with your brand. So yes, 100% spot on. Yeah. And can we also like even just debunk this myth around what being an influencer means these days? It's uh, for me personally, like it's no longer just the hot girl shit that we see online. All women and men from different walks of lives, uh, life 
different ages, different sizes, different nationalities uh, can be influencers too and can be exceptionally influential. Like I know some of the most influential people that I follow and I'm like, yeah, I will buy whatever they're selling. Don't even have aesthetically pretty feet. They just are funny or speak into something that I connect with and resonate. And you're right, it's that trust factor. Do you agree? Like we need to just get over this like uh, influencer is just, you know, pretty face yeah 100% like we have to remember the meaning of the word if I see some hot girl in a bikini I don't feel influenced I feel maybe a little bit influenced to go to the gym but that's not inspiring (laughs) to me I'm influenced by really successful business women and people sharing really authentic stories so that is so true and as a brand you have to think really solidly about what your target audience is looking for, who do they connect with? And that's who you want to be choosing as your influencers, not just, you know, the typical influencers that we would categorize. Yeah, totally. Well, I want to speak into a little bit of like the ups and downs of your journey. But another question that's popped into my head that I know that I've been asked a lot by my audience before is what if you have an idea for a product, but you don't have the funds? upfront what are some avenues or where do you look for investors what are some avenues that you could look at potentially doing to get funding are there platforms are there places you can go do you think about going into business with a family member that has money that is interested in your like product or service what are your thoughts on that if you have an idea and it's brilliant and you know it can sell out but you just don't have the money to get it get it off the ground Mm, That's a good question. Um, Look, I haven't had a lot of experience with this um, particularly, but what I would suggest is actually, no, I'm lying. When I first launched Lucent Bottle, I didn't have enough money to do a order of a thousand bottles. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I I had started communicating with a supplier. I had enough money to get a sample product. So I paid to get some samples flown over. And from there, I was able to photograph them. Um, I had no money to get my Shopify store up and running. So say by that point, I'd spent $100 and that's a realistic amount. I was able to have my store up and running, put the photos on there. And I started pre-selling them because I didn't have the money to do the big order. I had probably half of them. Um, But from there, I started building up my Instagram account and I really went hard on encouraging Mm pre-sales. So then one, I had already sold them and I knew no matter what, I was going to make this work. Like I had sold these units now and it's not unethical because I knew that I was going to get the product to them eventually. But that is a way that you can, if you don't have enough money for an order, start pre-selling. You just have to be really transparent with your customers Mm -hmm. and give them a genuine like, ETA. But if if you're just a bit off having enough money, I would start pre-selling, order a sample, get your site up and running. And that might be a really good way to start getting some cash injected into your business um, before you have that big outlay of expenses. Yeah, totally. I don't think it's unethical at all. And I think it's a really great way to actually build almost like serious FOMO as well. I know some really big Mm. brands that do this so well. Um, 
like even hand by Nadia Bartel. She does this really yeah. beautifully as well, where she, she just sells out like in pre-sale yeah. <laughs> before, before it even drops. I think it creates this desire like, and like, oh my God, I need to pre-buy this before it sells out. Um, I think it's a really, really great strategy. And I think if you come up, oh, sorry, if you come up with at it with that energy as well, don't don't think of it as like, oh my god, I need to make sales so I can afford this. Make it really like exclusive and play on that. Or you can also bring your customers along for that journey. Document it like three more three more orders, and you know. We're live. We're live. Yeah, we're getting. Yeah, like make it fun and really harness that energy don't come up from a desperate energy if that kind of makes sense oh my god energy is everything everything love that and I guess my last question would be around I'm very passionate for all women in business to be really educated on finance and managing their money so what my question that comes to mind around like managing your money well in a product-based business is profit margins what is there a set sort of healthy industry standard, healthy profit margin for a product-based business? Um, or do they, again, kind of differ depending on the type of product you're wanting to sell? I think it can definitely differ greatly. Um, I am all about making a good profit. So I my general rule of thumb is I like to stick to a, pro- a product that can make me 70% profit, which also allows for those marketing costs and things because you are working quite hard to sell each unit. You don't want to be cutting yourself short either. So, and like you can find a product and your branding can elevate that product's price greatly. Mm-hmm. So it, you don't have to just work off the numbers. You could... It doesn't, your product's price from the manufacturer doesn't depend, doesn't deem the price that you're selling it for at a retail. Your branding and all of those kind of things can determine that as well, if that makes sense. But as a general rule of thumb, I would say at least 70%, just to give yourself that wiggle room and enough money that you're making a profit as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's where all of the other factors like, are you creating, manufacturing the product locally, ethically, sustainably, all of that kind of, I imagine, will impact the profit margin as well. Yeah, definitely. So good. Emily, tell us a little bit, let's head into your business and spell out your business journey a little bit. Um, You've transitioned from having your own e-commerce business to now teaching and educating and coaching on how to start and scale an e-commerce store which I absolutely love what have been some of your I guess biggest challenges because I really love to be super real about business journeys I feel like we always see someone at the end where they're you know successful and they've got the course and the product launch and they've got clients etc what's the journey been like for you what have been some of your biggest challenges I think the biggest challenge for me initially was selling my e-commerce businesses because like like we all know, your business becomes your baby. You get so attached. So making that decision was, it took a lot of internal reflection for me and really thinking of whether I want to forego these businesses that I've spent a few years building to then chase a bigger purpose and a bigger mission. And I just felt in my soul that I knew that that's what I was meant to be doing. And yeah, so that, that was the initial challenge for me. Um, but most of the challenges now in business are quite self-inflicted. It's that 
who am I to be teaching everyone this? You know, I'm not saying that my e-commerce, I didn't have a million dollar e-commerce business. They were successful, but I don't have that backing. So it's kind of a bit of self-doubt, but it makes it all worth it when I see one of my students build an e-commerce brand and one of my students has just launched and that feeling makes it so worth, you know, selling on my own businesses because I think, oh my gosh, something that I've taught her, now she could be going down that path to make a million dollar business and that is so much more fulfilling for me. So yeah, Um, they've kind of been the main things. The imposter syndrome is real in every type of business for every type of human. But I think what's important to highlight there is that not everybody it goes into business chasing a specific number and that sometimes there is just a, like a greater purpose or a mission behind what it is that someone is creating. Not mm-hmm. everyone is looking to scale a seven or billion dollar business. Some people are, and but there is also that first step. You don't go from like having no product to doing or working with perhaps a coach or someone that's going to scale you to seven, eight figures. That's your next step. And you as a coach, I think what's really important for coaches out there in any different fields is you are an expert and you are someone's first, second, third or fourth step. You might not be the last person they ever work with, but you, they need you and they need to hear the message and they will resonate it with it because it's you and because of the journey you're on, which is usually what most people, like what I know I resonate with is someone that's a few steps ahead of me. Like when mm-hmm. I started, I didn't resonate with coaches in my industry, for example, that had tons and millions of followers and and sales and huge, like that would have been too overwhelming for me. No, I needed that coach that was a couple of years ahead of me, maybe perhaps being like booked out of her group coaching programs or has recently launched a course, like showing me that path. So I think that that's like really important to remember that wherever you are in your business, you're good enough. In fact, you're more than enough for someone and you can truly help like shape their success. Yeah, I love that. No, that's kind of a, I feel like I'm being coached by you right now, but I love it. it. That is so true. And it's the same when you are bringing out a product, you know, don't compare your start to someone else's either. Like what you're doing is good enough and you are on a path for you. Don't just look at other brands and think, oh, they've been around the same length as me and they're doing this. You just, just stay in your lane, focus on you because that is so more than enough. Yeah, 100%. So then what would you tell you that was just starting out in your business? Going all the way back to the first one, what's like one lesson that you've learned that you're like, I was to go back and be able to speak to that girl, what would I tell her? What piece of advice would you give? Okay, so this is something that I actually always say on my podcast and it's not very revolutionary. It's just (laughs) something that I always think in the back of my head and it is be financially responsible from the get-go. So I had this really toxic money mindset that was, oh, I will worry about getting my money in order for my business when I make more money. Or, you know, that, that was just my ridiculous money mindset. But now I teach my students, take your money seriously from the start, set up those business bank accounts, be tracking all of your money, treat it as the business you want it to grow into because, you know, that's good manifestation practice and all of those kind of things. 
But yeah, that's just this silly little thing that I learned the hard way. And I wish that I had have just taken really seriously from the start. So if you are someone that is starting an e-commerce business, please set up your bank accounts, get a zero account, be tracking all of your finances because it will may come back to bite you in the butt later if you don't take it seriously. Emily, that is like such gold and no one's given that advice yet. And this is where I was saying before, I'm so passionate about this topic. It's not something I'm specifically an expert in. I'm lucky to have a best friend who is an accountant, but I have made mistakes down that path as well. Like you just go into business, you don't get given a business blueprint. Maybe you've never been a business owner before and you just get excited about the money coming in. Mm. Remember, even like what you see online, just remember when people like 10K, 30K, 50K, whatever, that is that is revenue. That is not profit. Yes, you yes. need to know your profit. You need to know your numbers. You need to know how to manage your money. And you're right. Like more money isn't going to fix your money problems. In fact, they will just make them worse a lot of the time. Mm. More money, more problems. <laughs> if you ask me, right. you know, the more money you make, the more debt you can go into. It is all of that. So definitely work on your money mindset, work on your worthiness around money. So the money mindset aspect, but also like the tangible setup of your business such a great tip love I I feel like it correlates so strongly because most of us go into business as creatives and we focus on you know building this beautiful brand but we have to kind of dial into our masculine energy there and you know set ourselves up and just because I think as a females it's so empowering to be all over your numbers and just be able to you know be across that in your business is just so empowering and I want that for everyone so totally take that tip ladies (laughs) totally even if you've got someone managing you're like if you've got a bookkeeper if you've got an accountant it's still so important for you to not give that power away you don't have to do the work Mm -hmm. but know the numbers no and don't allow anyone to sign things off for you make decisions for you with your money you should be empowered and know exactly like especially for women we're, we're so quick to give this away to our husbands, partners, boyfriends, and then we do this with accountants, financial advisors, everyone else know. Like, yes, they can do that work, but make sure that you're educated and that at the end of the day, you're making the decisions, not someone else when it comes to your money. <laughs> I love that little tangent we went on. That was, yeah, great. <laughs> All right. That's why I was like, organic conversations in a podcast lead to the best little nuggets. And yeah, love it. Agree. So good. Emily, I know that the women listening in are going to want to get amongst your energy and find you online. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in your business at the moment and what our audience can take advantage of and where they can find you. Yeah, of course. So I'm over on Instagram at the e-commerce dropout and I have the e-commerce dropout podcast where I upload episodes every week. Um, But if you are someone that is wanting to start a product-based business, I am relaunching my signature course, the Start to Sales e-commerce blueprint on the 22nd of July. Um, That will take you through everything you need from sourcing a product right up to launching in a really easy to understand digestible way. We're not about overcomplicating things or anything like that so that is what I'm up to and yeah always just putting out content to help out people yay how exciting excited I'll keep my eyes peeled for that so we'll make sure we add all the links in the show notes so head on over there but again Emily thank you so much for your time today we have learned so much from you and again 
your podcast has so much more knowledge and like going deeper into some of these topics we've just touched on today. So head on over to Emily's podcast as well. You will absolutely love it. But thank you so much for your time today, babe. Thank you so much for having me. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Hold up, girlfriend. Before you go, I need to say thank you so much for tuning in today. I know that if you listen to my podcast, that you are my human. And I love to connect with my soul sisters, business besties, align business babes on social. So send me a DM with any mindset, business or wellness questions because my inbox is so open to you. I also read each of your reviews personally and love to personally thank you. So please screenshot them and DM me or email them to hello at hersoulfulsuccess.com. I will personally thank you and send you a copy of my 30 days of journal prompts. Also, if you haven't already, follow my podcast Insta. The link is in my bio so you can stay up to date with all the potty goths and tag your girlfriends because you know that friends that listen to podcasts together stay together. Or is that not a thing? I don't know. But every time you share this podcast with someone, you are really helping me help more women live a soulfully successful life. And I appreciate you for that. Love, love, love you and I'll catch you in the next episode.